you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. So open, if you would, in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And usually I um, go out of my way to make sure I figure out the, um, the chapter or the page number in your Bible, but I totally forgot. So if you, uh, you kind of open your Bible in the middle, you find Psalms. Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible. And then you go one book over is Proverbs. And then the next book over is Ecclesiastes. Um, and so, so first of all, um, we talked about the beef. Uh, Tim, Tim mentioned the where's the beef. Did anybody, I, I hesitate to even ask, did anybody read any of Ecclesiastes this week in, in the beef? Yeah, perfect. We, we got to work on that, guys. Now, um, if you read Ecclesiastes, you probably found it a little different, a little challenging, a little strange. And uh, so today we're, we're going to take a look at, at what's in Ecclesiastes. Perfect. Um, so if you've been with us this summer, the thing we've been focused on here at Bethel uh, has been the idea of wisdom, uh, the wisdom book. So we spent a few weeks uh, reading Proverbs and learning about what it means to find God's wisdom in Proverbs. And, and we all learned a word. Uh, do, you, do you remember the word? Chokmah, right? Uh, Chokmah is the word that your Bible translates as wisdom uh, more, more than anything else. So when you read uh, the book of Proverbs and you read the word wisdom, the, the Hebrew word is Chokmah. Can we, let's hear it nice and loud. Chokmah. Chokmah, right? Chokmah. And, and the idea of Chokmah is this, that God made the world, uh, Proverbs says that God partnered with wisdom, uh, with chokmah. Actually, Proverbs uh, talks about wisdom like it's a person, uh, and it's like God was with chokmah in the very beginning. And so if you've ever read uh, Genesis 1 and 2, uh, right in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and every day, right, God creates a little bit more of the earth, uh, and He's creating it in this structured and ordered way. Right, He creates light, and then He separates light from darkness. He creates uh, water, and He separates land from the sea. Right, and the idea is is that God is ordering the world according to a principle, according to Hokmah. And, and the idea of Proverbs, if you've been reading Proverbs with us this year, is that you can, you can get to know um, this person. You can get to know Chokmah. And if you do, um, you can actually connect to and live according to the same uh, foundational... Uh, so the same uh, person that God partnered with in creating the world, uh, we can partner with. We can get to know Chokmah too. And, and it's like... It's like a good tool. If we get to know that person, if we get to know that tool, uh, we can actually live better in the world that God made if we're living according to uh, this wisdom, to this uh, chokmah. And so the idea of Proverbs is that uh, life can make sense if you live according to wisdom. Uh, and, and as you read Proverbs, this mic is having a little trouble. Why don't we switch over to the pulpit mic? Let's, there we go. Perfect. <clears throat> so Proverbs gives you this idea. There we go. Maybe you guys can hear me better than I think you can. <laughs> Proverbs gives this idea that life, um, life can make sense uh, 
if we live with Hokmah. And as you read Proverbs, um, you, you start to get this idea that people sort of get what they deserve. That if you make good choices, good things will, will happen to you. And that you can make a better choice in your life and you can see change in your life as a result of, of that choice. And, it's, and this is true, right? Uh, we've all experienced this. It's great, you know? So, right, we, we read the stories, right? A great example of Hokmah at work. Um, you know, you read that news article, you know, it's the teacher who uh, taught their whole life and was really frugal and saved their money. And one day uh, when, they, when they passed away, they had just millions of dollars, right, that they left to some good charity. You know, they, were, they worked hard, they saved their money, and things, things worked out. Another great Hokmah story uh, that we might hear today is, you know, the person uh, changed their diet and their lifestyle, and they lost 200 pounds, right? And they're healthier than ever, and they're going to live 50 more years probably. Or maybe like another Hokmah story, you know, the, we see this one all the time in the movies, right? The really good coach comes to the struggling football team and brings everybody together and they work really hard and they win the championship. That's a Hokmah story. Uh, you know, the good guys win and the bad guys go to jail. Uh, that's Proverbs. That's, that's Hokmah. If you work hard, if you save your money, if you do the right thing, uh, you'll wind up with, you know, two and a half kids and a white picket fence living the American dream, right? That, that's a Hokmah story. Uh, when you live according to God's wisdom, things go better than when you don't. Uh, that's, that's what Proverbs is, is trying to tell us. And, and it's true, right? We all know examples of times when we've made good choices and our lives have been better because of it. Uh, but the problem is, if you really sit down and read Proverbs, um, there's this other thought in your head that starts to kind of bubble up. Uh, because sometimes our lives fit really well with that story. Um, but sometimes they don't, right? Sometimes you work really hard and you save money your whole life and, and the like hedge fund that was managing your 401k makes some bad choices and you lose your savings. Uh, what about the times when the story fails us? What about the times when we do everything we were supposed to do and life still doesn't go right? And as you're reading Proverbs, it, it starts to bother you. Uh, well, Ecclesiastes is, is about that. And if, if Proverbs is about the word hokmah, uh, meaning wisdom, Ecclesiastes has its own uh, catchword. Uh, its, its word is hevel. Can you say hevel? Hevel. Let's try it again. Hevel. Hevel. Um, so if, if Hokmah is the wisdom that lies at the foundation of the created world, um, Hevel is usually translated meaningless. Uh, so Hokmah, uh, wisdom. Hevel, your Bible usually translates in Ecclesiastes as, as meaningless. And if you, if you opened your Bible to Ecclesiastes, uh, verse one, or chapter 1, verse 2, right? It says, meaningless, meaningless is the teacher. Utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Wow, it's going to be a fun Sunday at church today, right? So, so that's the word. So he's actually saying, uh, hevel, hevel, says the teacher. Everything is hevel, utterly hevel. And, and while hevel means meaningless, it's a much bigger idea than that. Um, it's more like um, a more literal translation of hevel is breath or uh, smoke. Uh, or mist. Uh, it's, it's the idea that things are temporary, that they're difficult to grasp fully. 
Uh, the author of Ecclesiastes would say, you know, finding the meaning of life is, trying, is like trying to capture smoke in a jar, right? Every time you get closer to the smoke, it blows out of the way and you miss it. It's not so much that life is meaningless, uh, but that its meaning is incredibly difficult or perhaps impossible for us to grasp from our perspective. Not that life lacks meaning, but that it's incredibly hard to find. And, and the very first time you read the word hevel in the Bible, uh, it's the name of somebody. It's actually in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. Uh, Adam and Eve have two sons. One they name Cain, and the other they name hevel, uh, breath. It's the exact same word. Uh, Abel's name is, is, is hevel. And if you know the story of Abel in the Bible, uh, you know that it's very short, and it's not really about him. Uh, all we know about Abel, right, all we know about Hevel is that he offered a sacrifice to God, uh, and that God looked favorably on him and his sacrifice, okay? Things are going pretty good for, for Hevel so far. Uh, but because of that sacrifice, and because of God's favor, uh, Hevel's brother Cain kills him, uh, it, it's, it's sad, and, and Abel's, or Hevel's, short and thwarted life, um, it captures this idea of, of Hevel. If, if Hokma promises us that life makes sense, uh, Hevel is for when it doesn't make sense. Uh, when your life doesn't turn out like a movie. When the things that happen to you, uh, the pieces don't ever seem to come together. Um, you know, when your cousin, you know, has smoked a pack a day since they were 14 and you're the one that gets lung cancer. It's when you try hard and you fail. Hevel is when your friend, you know, cheats off of your test and the teacher accuses you of cheating. Hevel is when you work hard but you still get laid off. Hevel is when the good die young, when the race doesn't go to the fastest. Hevel is when God looks on your offering with favor, but you wind up killed by your brother. When you lose your job, but the CEO gets a seven-figure bonus. It's Hevel. How do I understand what that means? When life doesn't tell a good story, and when the story that maybe we're telling ourselves about our lives fail us. It's, it's Hevel. And, and Hevel is something that we really, really, really don't like to think about. Uh, and I think this is true inside the church and, and outside the church. Um, we do everything we can to move quickly on past our experiences of, of Hevel because it's painful to engage with. I, I know for me, whenever I uh, encounter a, a big or a small experience of Hevel, um, like for example, a uh, year ago at this time, Aaron and I bought a new-to-us car that was like the greatest car in the world. Um, and we're going to look back on this car as the best car ever. And then this winter, it got rear-ended and totaled, and we'll never get to drive it again, right? We had to replace it. It's, it's Hevel. And as I was going through that, I remember thinking, what does this mean? Why did Aaron get rear-ended? Why, why couldn't it have worked like this? Why did she have to be stopped at that scene? And I remember trying to find ways to like convince myself that it was really going to turn out for the better. Oh, this other car is better. Maybe God didn't want me to drive a red car. You know, you're trying to figure out what it means, right? And I don't think I'm alone. I think for the most part, we don't like to talk about this much. 
And, and that's why it's so hard to read Ecclesiastes. Uh, both inside and outside the Christian faith, most people try to avoid thinking about Hevel. And when things like this happen to us, uh, we respond in all kinds of ways. You know, we rationalize why it makes sense, or, or we avoid the experience, or we try and move on quickly. You know, I think most of us, uh, inside the church, outside the church, we really, really want to believe that everything happens for a reason. And we really want to see that reason come about. We want to believe that our choices have meaning. We want to believe that our lives are telling a story. And when things happen that challenge that, uh, it, can, um, it can wreck our faith in ourselves, right? Uh, when things challenge that meaning, that story that we're telling ourselves, it can wreck our faith in ourselves. It can wreck our faith in the world being a place that makes sense. And, and sometimes it can just destroy or wreck our faith in God because we've built this story, this idea that everything is supposed to happen for a reason. I'm doing the right thing and then this thing happened to me, why, right? And, and because of that, because of this discomfort with Hevel, Ecclesiastes is one of the least popular books in the whole Bible. Um, there's basically only two passages that you've probably ever heard from Ecclesiastes. Uh, there's one about um, that people like to read at weddings about, you know, if one falls down, it says uh, who's going to pick them up. And so we, we thought it's a great wedding one. So we read that. And then if you've ever heard the, the song, turn, 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 uh, that's a part from Ecclesiastes too. But we don't read anything else from Ecclesiastes because it's, it's hard. Um, and, and it's so hard to read because Ecclesiastes is dedicated to exposing the hevel of life, to pointing it out, to forcing you to look at it and wrestle with it. And so um, to, to understand a little bit about how Ecclesiastes works, um, really quick, there are two people talking in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's one person who talks a very little bit at the beginning and a very little bit at the end. He's, he's the author, uh, the person that that collected this book together and that's trying to make sense out of it. And the other person, uh, <clears throat> your Bible translates as the teacher. It'll say the teacher says this. His, his name is Kohelet. It's kind of hard to say. Basically means person that gathers. So the idea is that there's somebody who's making a point. That's Kohelet. And there's this author that has heard what Kohelet has to say and thinks it's worth repeating but worth explaining a little bit more and framing. Uh, so it's just important. It starts and it ends with this. And the thing to remember is that not everything in Ecclesiastes uh, the author agrees with. The author does not agree with everything that Kohelet says. Uh, and he actually says that at the very end of the book. Uh, so, so our book begins with, with the author introducing uh, the teacher, introducing Kohelet, uh, whose words fill up the vast majority of the book. You know, most of Ecclesiastes is, is Kohelet. And he says this. We've already read it. Uh, so this is the author. He says, The words of Kohelet, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Hevel, hevel, says the teacher. Utterly hevel. Everything is hevel. And if you read Ecclesiastes, and if you read the middle of it, what you'll find is a long, depressing argument about how everything that you can possibly imagine that might make sense out of the world falls short. Uh, 
Uh, and, and Kohelet, he, he argues that life under the sun, life in this world is, is heaven. It's, it's smoke. It's transitory. It's an enigma. Understanding it is almost impossible. It's, it's meaningless. And, and the way that uh, Kohelet shows us this is by attacking all the different ways that we try and make our world make sense. All the ways that we try and give our lives meaning in our minds. And so, so Kohelet says this. He says, you know, Hevel, Hevel, everything is Hevel. And then it's almost like he's talking to us. He says, well, you might think, uh, right, that uh, wealth or success or power or recognition or legacy, maybe you think um, life's meaning is found in that. If you build something great, then your life has meaning. And, and Kohelet says, he says, I did that. He says, I built a kingdom. I filled it up. I had more stuff than I could possibly want. I made something amazing because of the good decisions I made. I employed people. Things went great. I built this incredible thing. But then one day, uh, you, you pass away. And you leave the business or the farm or the kingdom to somebody who didn't work for it. He says, maybe you think if you uh, amass a lot of wealth, you can find meaning in your life. He says, but oftentimes the sorts of people who can accumulate a lot of wealth aren't the sorts of people who can enjoy a lot of wealth, right? And, and Kohelet says, uh, it's chasing after the wind. It's Hevel. It's trying to catch the smoke in the jar. How crazy is it that the sort of person that can make money isn't always the sort of person that can enjoy having money? He says, maybe, uh, you know, you're, you're struggling and you know that wealth or success isn't the way uh, to achieve life's meaning. You know, maybe you think I ought to just have fun and enjoy myself and do whatever I can and, and fill up my belly and just, you know, uh, embrace uh, foolishness, uh, he, he says. Uh, but the reality is, according to Kohelet, that no matter how much fun you have, it's never enough. If you dedicate every weekend to living life to its fullest and you live for the weekend and Monday through Friday, you just keep your head down so you can go out and party all weekend long. Monday always comes. Monday always comes. Maybe you think, um, this is Kohelet's words, he says, maybe you think uh, doing good or, or leaving a legacy will, will help you find meaning in your life. But he says, uh, even the wisest are forgotten. Uh, he says, a hundred years after you're gone, nobody's even going to remember your name. Again, very encouraging. Is it, is it um, K-Love that their tagline is positive and encouraging? Uh, Ecclesiastes has no, no room for that on K-Love. Um, maybe you think wisdom, right? Maybe you think hokmah, being wise, making the right choices, being intelligent will help you find meaning in your life. And he says, but, but sometimes... The race, it, it doesn't go to the fastest, right? He says sometimes in life, um, success goes to the foolish and, and the people that miss the point. Sometimes the wicked prosper and the good, they suffer, they struggle. And for Kohelet, the ultimate hevel, the ultimate hevel as you read Ecclesiastes is, is this fact, and this is what he can't get around. And the fact is this, that one day, all of us will return uh, to the ground. One day, all of us will, will die. And, and for Kohelet, that just wrecks the meaning of everything. Because he says, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter what you've built, 200 years from now, you're going to be gone, and whatever you built is going to be crumbled down to the ground. What Kohelet is trying to say, um, there's stuff in life that makes us uncomfortable, there's the reality of death, the reality of time, the difficulty of piecing our lives together. 
There's, there's death, and, and we don't want to look at it. Uh, for Kohelet, right, death is the ultimate hevel. And, and what he tries to say, and what the author is trying to say by capturing this argument, is he's saying, I know you don't want to look at the bear. There's a bear in the room, and you don't want to look at it. But no matter how hard you try to cover it up, no matter how hard you fight to ignore that bear, in all of our lives, there's a bear. And for Kohelet, and for most of us, that bear is called death. That bear is called Hevel. And no matter how hard we fight to ignore it, it's still there. All the ways we dress it up, or cover it up, or just keep our eyes forward, it's there. Hevel shines through. If we look, we can't ignore it. It's, it's kind of bad news. Uh, and the, and the, author, the author concludes, uh, he kind of explains what Kohelet has to say, and he, and he tries to frame it a little bit. And he says this, he says, uh, you know, the teacher was wise. Uh, he worked hard to discover what he discovered. He, he pondered and searched out uh, what he said is true, uh, the author says. Uh, he said these words, uh, you know, he found, he found wisdom. And then he says, um, the words of the wise are like goads. And what the author is trying to say this is the very end of Ecclesiastes. What he's trying to say is these words that hurt, that we don't want to deal with, the truth about the bear that we don't want to look at or acknowledge, um, it hurts, but maybe it can steer us in a good direction. And this is the direction that the author of Ecclesiastes has for us. He says, uh, at the end of the day, now that all has been heard, um, acknowledge the bear. It's in the room. Death and Hevel are a part of your life, and you're never going to be able to avoid it. But instead of dedicating your life to uh, capturing that smoke in a jar, he says, instead, now that all has been heard, uh, fear God, trust God. Keep his commandments, and one day God will bring every good deed into judgment. Even though life under the sun doesn't make sense, the author says, uh, God is still bigger even than that hevel. Uh, it's better to just accept it. You know, the, the ultimate hevel of life, the ultimate bear that we just can't bear to look at, is death. Right? That one day we, we will die. And, and so much of our lives is spent trying to pretend that we won't. We don't want to look at it because it's, it's bad news. This is bad news. Ecclesiastes is it's a bad news book. But there is good news. Uh, as, as Christians, and, and this is, uh, I think, what the author is, is pointing a long ways to. Uh, because as Christians, we believe that Jesus was born into this hevel world, into this under-the-sun world, this same world where uh, the best don't always succeed, where the smartest don't always get what they deserve, where the good don't always prosper. Jesus was born into this under-the-sun world, and he lived his life, and through his death and resurrection, uh, he's defeated the death that lies at the heart of hevel. And he's promised us that the ultimate enemy of life's meaning is defeated in him. The only true solution to the enemy of death. Uh, the gospel tells us that we don't have to be afraid of the hevel we encounter in life anymore. We don't have to be afraid of the meaninglessness that we find in life. We don't have to be afraid of the enigma of life. We don't have to be afraid of the times when we do our best 
and it doesn't work out, we don't have to be afraid to look at that, those injustices and those setbacks, because we can trust that God is really at work. Even when that work began long before we came around and will extend long after us, we can be set free from the ways that we try and make ourselves better under the sun, uh, through the ways we try and find meaning. We can stop pretending that death and failure and tragedy won't happen to us and instead rest in the fact that though we are so small, that though we don't have the perspective to make sense out of our lives, there is somebody who does. And that person loves us and gives our lives meaning, even when we can't catch that meaning in a jar. If we have to take one thing out of our understanding of Hevel, it's not to abandon wisdom, it's not to quit trying to do the right thing, but it's to remember that you are small. That you are small. Ecclesiastes is, is like um, laying out under the stars far away from the city, and you look up and you see that picture of the universe and you realize that you're small. Ecclesiastes reminds us that we're small and from our limited perspective, we will never make sense out of our lives. But God loves us. Yes, life under the sun is heaven. No, you can't ignore it forever. And if you dedicate your life to figuring it out, if you dedicate your life to dealing with that bear or making it go away or pretending it doesn't exist, you're going to end up as disappointed and as heartbroken as anyone But instead, we remember that though we are small, God loves us so, so much. And that is where the meaning comes from. Because when you acknowledge the bear, you're finally free to get on with your life. You don't have to dedicate yourself to ignoring it. And you discover how hard you've been working to close your eyes to it. Because it no longer has power over you. Imagine a world where we knew that our significance wasn't based on the things that we've done or built or accumulated. A world where we're not responsible for every tragedy or success in our lives. What would it look like to step off of that throne and trust that I am small but loved? Your life, your accomplishments, your best effort, the best stuff we can do is is hevel, but God thought you were worth dying for. Would you pray with me? Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.